0: May we be here together, and may we be conscious of your presence with us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. Good morning, St. Michaels. Instant oatmeal, instant noodles, instant coffee, instant rice, instant mashed potatoes, instant access, instant messaging. Instant Photos, Instapot. Who has an Instapot? Oh, God, those things are fantastic. Instacart, Instagram. You could probably add to that list. I wonder if these products or services are any indication of how we, at least as Americans, feel about time. If they are, that would mean that we value speed. Speed. We value expediency. We value efficiency. We value things that provide instantaneous gratification. We want it. And when do we want it? Now. I wonder how many times in a conversation speaking to a customer service rep on the phone or a service manager or a car mechanic or a vendor or a contractor or anyone for that matter. And you've asked, how long is this going to take? How long is this going to take? And this makes sense because you and I, we live by a clock. And it's a biological clock. And it's ticking and ticking and ticking and ticking every second of the day. And if you and I were immortals like vampires, we wouldn't care because we have all the time in the world. But we're not, we're mortals. And we're given an unspecified amount of time to live in this life. Therefore, we're always asking, when? Very focused on the when. And yet, here we are again. Another year has gone by. Each of us are a little older than last year. In a year, some things have changed. In a year, some things haven't changed. Nevertheless, we find ourselves in the season of Advent. Yet again, A season of waiting and preparation for the advent or the arrival of King Jesus. Both at His first arrival as the infant King born of Mary, we relive that story, we retell it, we reboot again. And His second arrival, when the Son of Man comes in great power and glory, as Jesus said in our Gospel passage, to set all wrongs to right, To restore justice and peace and love in this world. To judge the living and the dead. And bring about his everlasting kingdom. Fully on earth as it is in heaven. That's Advent. But after two millennia, King Jesus hadn't showed up yet. Unless he came and he didn't tell us. And you and I are just wasting our time this Sunday morning. All left behind in the pews. We're still waiting. We're still waiting. Wondering when. Asking how long. Now, I don't know if you've realized this, but I have. God doesn't seem to operate on my timetable. You know, he doesn't work at the pace that I would prefer him to. My timing, maybe not yours, but my timing and God's timing are actually a little different. And they're actually often at odds with one another. God doesn't seem to be in much of a rush. You know? He likes to play the long game. He likes to be with things. He likes to let things marinate a bit. And from my perspective, maybe you feel the same way. God's kind of slow. God is slow. I said this morning, there's no microwavable Jesus You just can't, you can't pop them in the microwave like a bag of popcorn. Bam, done, Jesus, thank you. No, there's no InstaGod app that would be great, doesn't exist. And think think about this, Let's, let's think about this. Think how long it took from Adam and Eve eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, ushering in sin and death and decay and destruction into God's Creation back in Genesis chapter 3, that's what that went down, to the point where the Christ child was born in Bethlehem. That took a while. It took a long time. I mean, Jesus didn't pop out a week after the Garden of Eden. It was a process. And then you look at the life of Jesus. You know, we know from Luke's gospel account that Jesus was around 30 years old when he began his ministry. 30 years. And his ministry only lasted about three. That's it. Three years. And that means that Jesus spent the majority of his life here on earth doing what? Waiting. Waiting. 30 years. What was he doing in those 30 years? He was a person. He was doing the daily grind. Just like you and I, alarm clock going off, going to school, right? Getting picked on on the playground, coming home, doing his homework, doing his chores, taking the dog for a walk. And then alarm clock going off, getting dressed, brushing his teeth, going to work, dealing with stupid people. (laughs) Coming home, doing the chores, helping mom out. You know, Joseph, his dad, kind of disappears from the story. Most scholars say that Joseph probably died. And Jesus was the firstborn son, so he was taking care of mama, taking care of the house, helping her out, helping out with the younger kids, his siblings. The boring and mundane everyday life. Until one morning, who knows when, the father says, son, get up, it's time. Jesus packs his stuff, he leaves the house in Nazareth, takes the long journey down to Judea, to the River Jordan, and is baptized by John, and the rest is history. But I wonder, in those 30 years of waiting, how many times did Jesus ask, when? How long? How long do I have to wait before we start this? And so I wonder if there's anything you're waiting on God for in this Advent season. Are you waiting on God to intervene and help you in some kind of way? Are you waiting on God to deliver you from some hardship, some difficulty that you're experiencing? Are you waiting on God for direction, for guidance, for wisdom? Waiting on God for an answer to a question that you have had for a long time? Waiting on God to intervene in someone else's life. Maybe someone who's lost their way. You've been praying for 20 years. Maybe it's your kid. Maybe it's your grandkid. That God would turn them around and bring them back home. Or maybe you're waiting on God for Him to reveal your unique purpose in this whole grand scheme of life. Your vocation. Your unique and specific calling. Are you asking God when... Are you asking God how long? You know, when we're in a season of waiting, there is a strong temptation to want to take control. You've probably never done this. To want to kind of take control and make something happen. You know, kind of remind God that we exist. Hey God, you remember me? Yeah. Kind of force his hand to work, to move, to push things along at our pace and our timing. And we do that because we do not like to sit in suspense for too long. We don't like to sit in a place of unknowing, a place of uncertainty. Because then, in those places, we're going to have to, I don't know, trust. And that's a hard thing to do. You know, well before I even knew what an Episcopalian was, this was back in April of 2011, sitting at my desk at work in my little cubicle, And it was there when I finally accepted what I believed was Jesus' call into pastoral ministry. Finally. I say finally because my initial sense of that call was when I was like 14 years old. I was a young teenager. But then I spent 13 years walking around in circles rejecting Jesus and running from Him and rejecting His church and living life by my terms. And then it took 13 three years to once again surrender to that call after I renewed my relationship with Jesus. It was April 12th of 2011 when I said, all right, I know you're calling me. Yes, let's do it. What did I do the next day? Did I pray? Did I sit with Jesus in the silence and marinate on this call? No, I was driving around downtown Jacksonville looking for potential church property to purchase. The next day, like literally the next day, the following week, I launched an in-home Bible study from people at work, but they didn't know this, but in my mind, I was planning a mega church in my living room that would one day blow up and I'd be like Jesse Duplantis on TV or Joel Osteen or someone mega big because God called me to be a pastor and that's what it's going to look like. I didn't waste any time, any time. What am I waiting for? Yesterday, it's gotta happen now. Now, I don't think Jesus had a problem with me starting a Bible study in my living room. Oh, go ahead, kiddo. That's adorable. Knock yourself out. That's good for you. But I was 10 miles ahead of Jesus. I was driving like 80 on a highway and he was walking at best three. And if you're on a treadmill and you're walking three, that's a good pace. He's probably more like at a 2.0. I was light years ahead of him because I wanted things done now. I wanted things done immediately. And for me personally, I felt that I had wasted so much time that I had to catch up. And that happens for us who kind of meet Jesus maybe later on in life, or we've been away for a long time and kind of return. There's a lot of regret, maybe a lot of damage done, and we want Jesus to clean it up and fix it tomorrow. It took us 30 years to dig our hole, and we want Jesus to fill it up tomorrow. That's just reality. And that was me. God waited on me for 16 years. I couldn't wait on God a day. That's how impatient I was. But what I didn't realize is that God wasn't as interested in what I was going to do for him as he was interested in who I was to be in him. On who I was becoming. On who God wanted to shape me to be. And that, people, like all things, takes time. It takes time. Everything takes time. A baby is conceived, and it takes some time before the baby comes out. And then when it comes out, it's not walking and talking and smoking cigars and drinking band- brandy and making business solutions. Think of like how long it takes for the body to develop. Everything in this creation takes time. But then in the spiritual life, we don't like that. We want it to happen now. But you see, in the waiting, God, who seems to be smoking a cigarette on a break, is actually very, very active, extremely active. He's doing something in us. He's doing something in our hearts. He's shaping. He's forming. He's healing. He's mending. He's sanding. He's growing. He's maturing. He's healing. He's teaching. In the waiting, God is working in us oftentimes without our knowledge because we're so focused on the destination. We're so focused on getting wherever there is. But in the spiritual life, it's why we call it a journey, the life of discipleship, the emphasis is actually not on the destination. It's more on the journey because that's where the stuff happens. Because it's in the waiting, not speeding down the highway at 80 miles per hour, but steadily walking at the pace of Jesus, very slowly on the journey that we are actually prepared for that destination, whatever that might be. And there's many, many destinations in our life. And as soon as we get to that one, we're preparing for the next one. Until we come to our final end, as the Apostle Paul says this morning, the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ at his advent. So I end with this prayer. It's called Patient Trust. It's written by an early 20th century French Jesuit priest with a very French name. I'm going to butcher it. You can make fun of me after. Pierre D'Art de Chardon. And he says this Above all, trust in the slow work of God. We are quite naturally impatient in everything to reach the end without delay. We should like to skip the immediate stages. We are impatient of being on the way to something unknown, something new. And yet, it is the law of all progress that it is made by passing through some stages of instability, and that it may take a very long time. And so I think it is with you. Your ideas mature gradually. Let them grow. Let them shape themselves without undue haste. Don't try to force them on as though you could be today when only time will make of you tomorrow. Only God can say what this new spirit gradually forming within you will be. Give our Lord the benefit of believing that his hand is leading you. And accept the anxiety of feeling yourself in suspense and incomplete. Welcome to Advent, everybody. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you like today's message, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to tell your friends. You may also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com backslash Saint Michaels Orlando. Until next time, remember, God loves you with a love you did not earn, and therefore, you can never lose.